This is usually the part of the program I say open up your Bibles to, uh, and, and listen, I do want you to open up your Bibles, but you're probably going to have to do it later this week. We are, um, we've kind of got one of those subjects, we're going to be all over the place. So we've got, I've got ten different scriptures I'm going to share with you this morning, and uh, I, your sermon notes are going to be extremely helpful for keeping up with that, and, uh, and so I, I hope that you'll follow along to the best of your ability. Sermon notes are that little yellow sheet of paper inside of your bullets, and that will be helpful. So guys, last week we began a new series entitled, Lies We Believe and the Truth That Sets Us Free. And the premise for the whole series is, is this, uh, the Bible says that there is a war being waged for our minds. It says that there is an enemy that is, is raising up arguments against the knowledge of God. And, and, and we, we found out last week that enemy has a name. His name is the devil or, or Satan. And Jesus says he's the father of lies in John chapter 8. He's the father of lies. And so now opposing him and the arguments that he is raising up against the knowledge of God is the truth of God. And, and of course Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. He also says in John 17 that the entire word of God is the truth. And so, so what we're doing, we find ourselves in this battle, um, and, and what we're having to do is, is take these lies that the devil speaks to us, and we're having to put them up against the truth of God's word, so that we can break free from the stronghold of wrong belief. And, and, and the way that works, guys, we introduce kind of a new theory to you. Scientists say that our brain kind of functions like this, okay? Uh, it, it's, I've got a slide for you, I think, and uh, kind of the cognitive brain, or uh, cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy uh, theory, and, and basically the thought is this, that guys, we think things, and we think thoughts, and what happens, the longer that we think those thoughts, eventually those, those thoughts begin to change the way we feel and the way that we act, and if those are wrong thoughts that have changed the way that we feel and the way that we act, then, then we'll have wrong feelings, wrong behaviors, and the wrong feelings and wrong behaviors will only strengthen the wrong thought we already had. That is what the Bible calls a stronghold. And so we're, we're just being honest with you and upfront as we can. The goal of this series is to help you break free from those strongholds, okay, by the truth of God's word. Unabashedly, that's what we're going to be about. That's what we're going to be about. And so this morning, join me in a word of prayer as we invite the Holy Spirit to come and to do that work in us this morning. Um, Father God, we want to say um, that we are so grateful for being allowed to gather in your presence. We want to say um, that we, we honor you with this time. We, we recognize that you are here with us. For your word proclaims when two or more are gathered that you're also present. And we have very much sensed your presence with us as, as we were singing unto you. Um, now as we open up your word and begin to study it together, we, we still want to sense your presence. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you in now to come and to be um, our teacher and our guide. To lead us in the ways of Jesus. To present um, to our hard hearts the truth of God's word. And we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, that our hearts would be changed. That your truth would sink in to our hearts, to our minds. It would affect our actions and the way that we feel even, Lord. Do that kind of work in us, please. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, last week we tackled the lie that God is not good. 
that God is not good. Of course, that lie was spoken all the way back in the, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. is really one of the first lies of the enemy as Adam and Eve are there in the garden and, and the serpent speaks to Eve and, 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 and tempts her to eat the forbidden fruit. And, and kind of what he says is like, did God really say that you couldn't eat that or you were going to die? And he's, she's like, yeah. And he says, no, 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 you're not going to die. What's going to happen is you'll have knowledge like God has. If you eat of this fruit, man, you're going to know good and evil. You're going to be like God. See, see the heart of the lie, you're saying God's holding out on you. God's holding back on you. God's got more to the story than he's giving you. And, and, and so, so she, man, she takes, she takes the hook. She jumps in, and, 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 and so she begins to question God's goodness. Now, the first time she questions God's goodness, something happens that had never existed in all of creation. For the very first time in all of creation, someone is unsatisfied. She's unsatisfied now with everything that she has, with everything that God has given her, because now she believes God's not good. God's holding out on her. And the moment she's unsatisfied, she justifies her actions. I'm going to go get that fruit, and I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to be like God. I'm going to see. And we talked about those horrible consequences, right? Now, that's what we talked about last week. Now, to combat that lie, we had to um, come up with the truth. And, 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 and one of the things we challenged you to do was memorize this truth, Psalm 119, 68. How many of you memorize that this week uh, to your best? Right? Okay, anybody? anybody? I have two, two, three, three, three. Okay? If you're on Facebook, uh, we've got a little slide for you. You're supposed to memorize and personalize it. If you take Psalm 119, 68, insert the words uh, me or to me, you end up with something like this. You are good to me. And what you do to me is good. God, you are good to me, and what you do to me is good. See, to combat a lie, we have to replace it with the truth. And so this week we said we were going to think about this truth all week. You are good to me, and what you do to me is good. But we're not just going to think the right thought, we're also going to do the right thing. And so I challenge you guys to, to make a list and begin counting your blessings. Remember, you're supposed to do 10 a day, Caleb Brzezowski. You said you wanted to be challenged. I had somebody else tell me they didn't say yes to the challenge. It was just you. So then they got, they got sucked into it. And Okay, about day three, you got, so man, you got 30, 40, 50. How many of you did anybody make all seven days you did 10 a day? All right. Also, don't, don't brag, don't brag. We're in church. No, I'm, I'm joking. I asked you to raise your hand. I asked you to raise your hand. I know. All right. So, so uh, this week we sent out a reminder. We're going to try to do the same thing again. Uh, this week we'll send out a reminder. I also sent out an email. I said, How, how's it going? How, how's it going? Has, has this lie that you have believed for so long that's caused you to question the goodness of God, that's made you feel unsatisfied, has replacing it with the truth of God's word, God, you are good to me, and everything you do to me is good, and then counting the blessings of God, has it begun to change the way you feel about God. And, and I said, share your story with me. So I'm going to share one story. This email uh, is really, really good. This person says, I, I found myself often feeling like I'm dying to dreams in order to be a caregiver to those around me. After our kids were grown, I thought now there would be time to pursue some things that I longed to do but had put aside. The same week our youngest left for school, my mother-in-law moved to the area and needed full skilled nursing care. Her need of an advocate became the forefront of my attention. As her health and a routine for her care stabilized, my attention was turned to another need from a family member. To summarize, I know God is good and has good uh, plans for me, but I have many times felt the others in my life get the best of my energy and attention, and I have nursed some regret and self-talk 
that is destructive. While studying 1 John and Psalm 119, the Lord has so graciously reminded me what love is and His faithfulness to satisfy me with His peace and contentment. I saw and I confessed that I was coveting dreams and cultivating an attitude that wasn't thankful for the divine opportunities to love and be satisfied with what I have. So I've been humbled and intentional to correct my perspective and to thank the Lord every time I am called to visit or care for a friend or a family member. I'm opening my hands and I'm saying yes with gratitude uh, that He would count me worthy to represent Him. This has completely wrecked me and brought such an incredible heart change. Instead of doing things out of duty while longing for something different, I'm asking daily for a pure heart and motives that only the Holy Spirit can enable. He has given me a new heart that is at rest and content. It's really profound and difficult to capture in a few words in an email, but it is real. The atmosphere is different. The smiles are no longer forced or fake, and the time and attention is filled with sincere joy and thankfulness. Only God could do that. It feels like he took my stubborn grip and patiently pried my fingers open, and he hugged me. Thank you for letting us share and sending out midweek applications and questions. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? When we uproot the lie that we've believed. And when we put in its place the truth of God's word and we begin to do the right things, counting our blessings and knowing that God is good, eventually our hearts begin to change. The way we feel begins to change. And that's really uh, at the heart of what we're talking about. Now this morning we're going to do something a little different. How many of you are really familiar with the camera on your phone? Come on. All right. Okay. What's the little button in the bottom right hand corner do? Yeah, changes perspective, right? Instead of looking at others, it looks at you. So last week we were looking at, at God and, and, and the lie was God is not good. We're going to hit that little button this morning. It's going to look at us. And so our lie this morning that we're going to study is this one, ready? I'm not good enough for God. I am not good enough for God. That's, that's the lie we're going to work through, we're going to talk through today. I am not good enough for God. And this lie manifests itself in all kinds of versions, right? Um, this may manifest itself in your life more like this. I am too dirty for God, or God can't forgive me of my past, or God can't use me because of fill in the blank, right? But it's all, it's all the same lie. It, it, it's this belief, I am not good enough for God. And of course, when we, when we buy into this, when, when we really think hard on this, what happens is it changes the way we feel about ourselves. We, we feel shameful. We feel discouraged. Sometimes we feel disgraced. It can even get so bad that it gets to a place that we begin to feel hopeless. We think there's no way that I'll ever be or amount to anything. Right? Okay? It's tough. Now, here's the deal. Here's why this is such a powerful deception, ready? It's such a powerful deception because it's actually grounded in the truth of God's word, right? Maybe you've heard that, that saying that uh, there's a little bit of truth in every lie. I actually prefer this saying, uh, the best lies contain an element of truth. Right? A skillful liar, you'll never know that he's a liar because, because his lies always have some element of truth from his past. He did this, or he worked that job. And he presents a story that's so telling that you're like, I, I, I had no idea. 
right? And, that, and that's what the enemy does. What the enemy does is he, he takes the word of God and he uses a foundation and he uses it against us like all good lies. This one is actually based upon the truth of God's word. And that's why it's one of the devil's best lies. Now, here's the deal. We need to confront the truth this morning. And here's what the Bible says about us, okay? Romans 3.23 the Bible says that every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, that's the truth. That's the absolute truth. It means that nobody in this room is perfect. Nobody in this room is without sin. We have all fallen. We all fail. That's the truth of God's word. Right? And, and, and the truth actually gets worse when you get to Romans 6, 23. It says the wage of that sin, what you earn because of your sin, is death. That's what you, that's what you deserve. <laughs> You deserve death, right? Now, if that weren't bad enough, then Isaiah 64, 6 piles on. And it says, it says all of us have become like something unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. That, that what that means, let me translate that, for, for any good work you do is, is filth unto God. It, it means that if our good works were currency, um, when it came to God, we would literally be bankrupt. We have nothing to give to him. Nothing. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think, Pastor, this is not helpful. Right? It's not helpful. I, I, I'll tell you, it's actually extremely helpful. I'm actually helping you um, because I, I want you to see this truth. We are not and cannot make ourselves good enough for God. We are not and we cannot make ourselves good enough for God. That is the truth of, of God's word. Now, now, here's why it's a lie. Ready? Because Satan knows that's only half the story. And yet that's the only half he says. See, if you know the whole story, but you only tell half the story to support your case, you're a liar. Right? And Satan knows the whole story, but he only tells this half of the story so that he can, he can hold you in bondage, so that he can make you feel about this big. And so what happens, right... Because he only tells half the story every time we sin, every time we fall, every time we, we feel like the Holy Spirit calling us to do something, there is his little voice in our ear saying, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Like, like the church is calling for something. We need somebody to serve and to teach our children. And something inside, yeah, I want to do that. And Satan's voice is going, you can't do that. You're such a sinner. Right? Hear the pastor say, man, you need to invite your neighbor uh, to church. We, we've got to take the good news out into our community. We want to see lives transformed. And say, man, I'm going to do that. I'm going to walk across the street today. And you, you all of a sudden hear this voice going, well, who are you to walk across the street? When your neighbors know you, right? They know what a sinner you are. And so it's this voice, this constant, you're not good enough. You're too dirty. You're unclean. I'll do something this morning, um, church, that maybe you're uncomfortable with. Um, be real. So, show of hands. How many of you have ever believed this lie before? You've ever struggled with this one? Come on. Now, hold them up. Hold them up higher. You've ever, you've ever bought in this. You're not good enough. Okay, hold them up. Now, look around at all those other hands that are raised. Okay, that's going to play into next week's sermon. Okay, put that down. Next week's sermon. Nobody understands. You are not alone, all right? I'm telling you, this is one of Satan's best and biggest lies. Now, now again, it's a lie because it only tells half of the story. Now, if you've got your sermon notes, this little yellow sheet, I'm going to give you the other half of the story, 
Okay, so, so, that, so that we can put those two together eventually. So here's the other half of the story. Yes, you are a sinner, right? right? Yes, you, you fall short of the glory of God. Yes, um, that your, your wage of sin is death, all that stuff. But this is the other half. You are also made in the image of God. So the Bible declares that you, you, yes, you, the person you see in the mirror, you are created in the image of God. That's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Genesis 1.27, by the way, you can jot those down next to the little bullet points and then you'll have all the sermons to take home, all the, all the scripture to take home and think about. Genesis 1.27, so, so God created man in his own image. He created him in, in the image of God. It's a big deal. You have been made in the image of God. I know you don't feel like it. I know there are times you just feel like, man, I'm, 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 I'm too dirty. There's no way God could use me. But you are an image bearer of God. God made you in his image. That's really important to know that. Not only that, not only were you made in the image of God, but you were made to be with God, right? Here's our, our next point. You are made to dwell in the presence of God. You're actually created to dwell in the presence of God. Genesis chapter 3, which we studied last week. God creates everything. He makes man and he makes woman. He makes all the animals, the trees of the air, the, bird, uh, or the birds of the air, the, the, the fish of the sea, all the trees and the plant life. And, and it's all really, really good. And God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. Right? We were made to be in, in the presence of, of God. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 1611 says this. It says, you reveal the path of life to me. And in your presence, God, is, is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. The psalmist is saying, man, there's something different about being with you in your manifested presence, God. That's where I want to dwell, right? James 4, 8, talking on that same presence. Draw near to God is the promise, and he will draw near to you. What's that saying? It's saying God wants fellowship with you. God wants you to dwell with him. He wants you to be with him. So, so you're made in the image of God. You're, you're created to dwell in the presence of God. Yes, we have all sinned. Yes, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, the wages of sin is death. Yes, we deserve to die separated from God in our sin, to experience the complete absence of his goodness and blessing and righteousness. Yes, that's all true, but the story doesn't stop there. See, the story goes on and says that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you while you were still a sinner. Just imagine that. Try to grapple with that truth. Not before or not after you cleaned up did God do this. It wasn't after you got your quote-unquote act together. How many of you heard that one? I just got to get my act together and then I'll go to church. It wasn't after you got your act together. It was in the midst of your rebellion that that God sent his son Jesus to die for you. That's what, that's what scripture proclaims. In fact, that's Romans 5.8. But God proves his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, Christ died for us. And, and, and what does that look like, right? Keep going on this list. God, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to live the perfect life that you couldn't and to die the death that you deserve in order for you to have eternal life. Not only did Jesus die for you, but he died so you could live in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. That you could have eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? That's, that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is also part of, of the story. And the reason that all of that can happen, right, is that when we believe in Jesus, not only are we saved, we are also justified. Right? That means I'm made just as if I, I, I never sinned. Acts, Acts 13, 39 proclaims this. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified 
from through the law of Moses. The law couldn't make me stand before God just as if I'd never sinned, but Jesus can. It's a really big deal, all right? Last piece of good news I want to share with you. Because of all this, when we believe in Christ, through faith in Christ, we are made righteous. We are made righteous. That word sounds very religious. It's actually quite simple. It means we are made right with God. Right? Because of our sins, because we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God, we are all in wrong standing with God. And there's nothing that we could do to somehow get ourselves back into right standing. I'll show you an example. Imagine with me for a moment that I tell one lie. I've told a few in my lifetime. Imagine I told one lie, and then I was convicted of it, and I never lied again. What does that make me? Not a recovering liar. It makes me a liar. I, I don't get to undo my past. I, 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 I am. I've lied. I'm always a liar, right? That's the way that works. Work through those Ten Commandments just and see what you are. <laughs> I'm always those things. I, I, I'm in wrong standing with God, okay? But Jesus came and he, he lived the perfect life I couldn't. He died on the cross for my sins. He was buried. He rose again. And he did all those things to bring me into right standing with God, okay? So the lie... The lie, I'm not good enough for God, right? I never will be. And it's a lie because it's half the story. So here's the truth. Here's the truth. I want you to write this down. Because of Jesus, I don't have to be good enough for God. All right? Because Jesus is, I don't have to be. Because of Jesus, I don't have to be good enough for God, right? The the cross of Christ proclaims that I have value. The cross of Christ proclaims that I am loved by God. The cross of Christ proclaims that God wants me. The cross proves it. It, it. It shouts it. Yes, I am a sinner, right? But Jesus on the cross says, I'm your solution. Jesus on the cross says, I love you this much. Jesus on the cross says, I will stand in your defense. Jesus on the cross says, if you believe in me, I will cover you. If you believe in me, not only do I cover your sins, but I give you all of my glory and righteousness. It's a big deal. That's the truth. Because of Jesus, I don't have to be good enough for God. Jesus does for me what I could never do for myself. All I have to do is believe. Just believe. Simple belief. Not radical belief. Not crazy belief. Just simple belief that he is the solution to my sin problem. So I want to talk to you about how to apply this this week. We're going to spend about 10, 12 minutes here. All right. Application is going to be huge. Here's the first thing you have to do. Ready? The very first thing you have to do is you have to respond um, in faith to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, right? You have to respond in faith to the saving um, grace of Jesus Christ. The truth is, there is nothing that you can do on your own and by yourself to make yourself good enough for God. You can't do it. That's the truth. And, and at the end of our lives, we all face judgment. And, and so we're going to stand before God, all of us, all the people that have proclaimed his name, all the people that haven't. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. We're going to stand before God, and we will either stand before God on our record, and he'll say, like, like why? Why should I let you in? Why should you get to be with me? And we're going to stand there and try to say, because I'm a good person. 
But the truth is, in our heart of hearts, we know we're not good people, right? We tell people we're good people. We, we do a few quote-unquote good things, but what are our good things in God's sight? They're filthy rags. They're filthy rags. The best thing that I can do isn't even the same currency that God uses. God is perfect. And so I'll stand before God and say, man, there's nothing that I can do. Now, that's, that's bad news, right? And, and, and so some say, well, that's, that's, that's a lie. The enemy keeps saying it. Man, you're not good enough for God. Well, that's true. You're not good enough for God. But listen, you need the bad news in order for the good news to be meaningful, right? Without, and listen, the other way doesn't work. By the way, if I proclaim the good news and say, God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, right? And if you believe in him, you can go to heaven, you'll be with God forever, but you don't understand that you need a savior. What's the good news? You got to have the whole message, right? And so what I'm going to say to you today is, is some of you have, have been precluded from faith. Some of you have not stepped into a relationship with God. And you haven't stepped into a relationship with God because you believe that you are not good enough. Right? Because you are convinced that somehow that's a prerequisite. That I've got to clean up my act before I can come to God. I just want to say that's broken theology. That's not how it works. You, you, there's nothing you could do to clean up your act enough for God. So it's not about that. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he has done. And so we need to understand this morning exactly what God has done. And so I came up with, a, with an illustration that I'm sure will fall short, but it's the best I can do. I'm a limited man. Okay. How many of you have ever been in a boat? Is there anybody that has not been in a boat? You need to get in a boat, man. <laughs> Borrow somebody's, pay for a ride. Okay. All right. How many of you have been in a boat in the ocean? A few less in the ocean, okay. How many have been in a small boat in the ocean? All right. So, some of you are like, oh, yeah, I was, on, I was on the Carnival Freedom, whatever. Doesn't count. That's too big. It's too big. That's saying so many stories high, even if it went down, I think it'd still be up. I'm, I'm not, it's, it's big. Uh, so I, I want you to imagine this with me. You, you've gone on a fishing trip uh, with some friends, and you're in a very small boat, and you're out in the middle of the ocean. I mean, way, way out in the ocean. Small boat, right? And you're not just fishing for any kind of fish. You're fishing for really, really huge fish. You're fishing for grouper. Okay, some of the oldest, biggest fish on the face of the planet. Now, when you catch a grouper, you don't just pull that sucker into the boat, right? Because the thing is so mammoth, if you don't kill it first, it'll kill you, okay? It's not good. So when you go fishing for these kind of fish, you bring a gun with you, all right? So you are in the middle of the ocean in a small boat with a gun. And to kill this grouper, you thought, oh, it'll really get a grouper. How about a Magnum 357? Okay, and so there you are, you're in the boat, you're fishing for grouper, you're, you're looking at the gun and you're kind of admiring it, oh, this is beautiful, boom, it goes off and it shoots a hole in the boat. Good analogy so far. So here you are in the boat, and, and now water is flooding in, and you're the one that has done it, and everybody's looking at you like you're the biggest idiot on the face of the planet, and you're like, ah, my bad. And, and so you begin to take the little Dixie cups you had that you were drinking ice water with, and you begin to um, scoop out uh, the water out of the boat. And, and you're beginning, and you, you're just doing your, now you've got the bait bucket and the little cups, and, and the guy that's like in the boat, he's like, man, we gotta get home. And so he guns the engine and after about 10 minutes he realizes this is not going to work 
And so he gets on the radio and he, he sends out the SOS and Coast Guard answers and said, we're going to send out a helicopter. And so just want you imagine this is your scenario. I know it's very realistic. So here you are and, and, and you're bailing water as fast as you can when suddenly you hear the sound of the helicopter overhead. I worked on that one after the first service. Not bad, huh? Right? So here it comes, and, and, and the basket lowers, and because you're the smart one that shot a hole in the boat, you're like, I'm going to go last. And, and so everybody's getting in to, to the basket, right? They lower the basket on the cable, and they're getting into the basket, and, and they're hoisting them up to, to, to safety. And, and so here you are. Now you are the last person in the boat, and they lower the basket. And here's my question to you. Do you get in the basket, or you do, do you go down with the boat because you feel guilty? Because if you're here today, and you say, there's just no way I can come to God. I hear that he loves me, I hear that he wants me, but I'm just too much of a wreck. It's like saying, I'm just going to go down with the boat even though the basket's right here. I'm going to let my guilt, I'm going to let my feeling over being a failure be greater than the answer which stands before me. So what I'm going to tell you today, what I'm going to plead with you today, and I don't say this to be mean, but get over yourself and get in the basket. Get over yourself and get in the basket. Get over your guilt. Get over the but, but I've done this, but I've done that. Listen, we could have a contest. We've all done this and that. Some of us have done this and that so many times that we wrote a book or two about it. Get in the basket. That's the first thing I would tell you this morning. Is you have to respond in faith to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Okay, second thing I'd tell you this week. Um, so, so remember the whole deal is we have to uproot the lie and we have to replace it with truth. So last week we had the lie that God is not good. We dug that up. We threw that away. We planted in the, pri- uh, the Psalm 119.68, you are good and what you do to me is good. And, um, and so we believed that, lie, that truth and, and that helped us get rid of the lie. Then we did the right thing. So, so this week though, uh, the problem is that the lie is based on truth. So we can't uproot it. We can't toss it. We can't get rid of the fact that I'm not good enough for God. You can't get rid of that. What you have to do is you have to add the rest of the story to it. And so that's our second point. Put the whole story together, right? By the way, when you put the whole story together, which is the bad news, I'm not good enough for God, and then the good news about Jesus, that's called the gospel, okay? And you kind of have to have the whole thing, right? Because the good news without understanding the bad news isn't really good news because you don't understand your need for it. So, so the whole thing is called the gospel. It's about God's pursuit of you in spite of you, right? Because it's about his glory. It's not about, it's not about us. And so the truth is we're not uh, necessarily good people. We don't always do good things. We're often offensive. We're often selfish. We're often jealous. We judge other people, right? We, we don't do the things that we say we want to do. We think the things that we shouldn't. Like, that is who we are. Our lives have proven that out. Okay, We're not worthy of God. We're not worthy of relationship with God. We're not worthy of fellowship with God. We're not, we're not worthy of a thing called salvation. We're not worthy of something called eternal life. Like, 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 like we shouldn't be, but yet God declares, uh, no, 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 I'm stepping in. Yeah, you are. Right? You're right. On your own, you, you can't do that. On your own, your record's not good enough. But man, I love you this much. Man, I, I've paid the price for you. Now get in the basket. Right? 
And so we have to put the whole story together. So um, uh, this week, I, I think it maybe looks something like this. If we're going to put those two stories together, yes, I am a sinner. No, I am not good enough for God. But because of Jesus, I don't have to be. Right? Yes, I am a sinner. No, I'm not good enough for God. But because of Jesus, I do not have to be. Wow. He's good enough for me. It's huge, huge. All right. Last thing I want to challenge you to do is uh, to make a visual reminder. So um, kindergarten, some of you are not in it um, right now, but I have a kindergartner in my house, and she loves school. And one thing she loves is arts and crafts. And so uh, this week, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you off the hook. For those of you that said 70 was too hard, okay, you have one thing to do this week as far as your action. So I've got right belief. I'm going to believe the whole story now, not just part of the story. Yes, I, I, I am not good enough for God, but Jesus is good enough for me, right? So that's, that's my truth. So I'm going to replace the truth here. I, I still sometimes feel, uh, you know, disgraced and shameful and all those things. Those feelings are going to change, but I've, I've got to have the truth, right? And then I've got, to, I've got to be walking out that truth. I've got to have something, some action that helps me. And, and when I think the right thing and I do the right thing, my, my, my feelings will eventually uh, change. Uh, and so what you're going to do is you're going to take two sheets of paper, uh, just eight and a half by 11 and cut them in half, fold them and kind of cut them in half. So you see like this was, this was a white sheet of paper. And so you, you, you cut it in half and you fold it. Uh, then I would, I would find another, another one that is, is colored. Uh, and I, I like colored and, and I'll explain why in a second. So on the white sheet of paper, um, you write who you are, all your failures, all the places you struggle, Right. God, I'm wayward. God, I am stubborn. <laughs> Lord, you often have to, have to um, take me kicking and dragging where I should be running to. Lord, I, I think things that I shouldn't. I, I fight you at every corner. Um, right? I mean, I mean, just all of it. You just write it all down. Like, that, that's who you are. This is, this is the record of your failure. That's, that's what it is. And so that, that's, I, I, I'm not good enough. So, so put all the things you stink at right there spiritually. I'm not good enough. That's your I'm not good enough sheet of paper. Okay? So you fill it out. And just be brutally honest. Nobody else is going to see it. Okay? Here's what you do next. You take, um, you take your, your sheet of colored paper. Again, it's half a piece of paper. And you write the name of Jesus at the top of it. And then you kind of write everything that he is. Right? Man, he is, he is good, and he is perfect, and man, he is pure, and, and he is righteous, and he is powerful, and he is loving, and he is patient, and he is faithful, and he is constant, and you just keep going. He is, Jesus is all these things, right? And then here's the cool thing. So then you take your list, and um, arts and crafts, you get out your glue stick, which they're now purple. I don't know if y'all knew this, purple. They, they dry clear, and that's when you know they're dry. And you're just gonna you're gonna glue stick up your list, okay? You're just gonna glue it to pieces here. Just glue all over it. You don't want to be able to peek. You don't want to be able to see anything. So you're gonna glue stick it up, and then you are gonna take your list of Jesus's perfection. You're just gonna place it right over your list, okay? Right over your list. Now what happens is the next time the enemy reminds you of who you are, you go back to your list and you go, oh, wait a second, no I'm not. 
Because here's what happens when you receive Christ. Not only does he cover all of your bad stuff, he gives you all of his good stuff. And so the next time the enemy tries to say, man, you're not good enough for God, you get to pull this sucker out of your Bible and go, ha ha, sucker, I don't have to be, right? Because Jesus says, I'm all of this. Because not that I did it, he did it for me. And it's who I am now because I am in Christ. I'm up in there. You can't get the other part out of me. Take that. A little something, something. Now get on back to where you belong. And we have a... Now, listen, I know it sounds silly, and you're like, Pastor, I'm beyond arts and crafts. Fine. Struggle with doubt. Struggle with disbelief. Listen, I'm just telling you, like, Jesus' people, the Jews, they did this kind of stuff. They wrote stuff on their door frames and and tied stuff on their hands. They had visual reminders about who they were and who God was. And that's all this is. This is a visual... Every time Satan tries to get after you and say, you are this... You get to turn back to this and go, nope, that's covered. Not only am I not that, not only is that no longer seen, I am good and pure and righteous and power. And you just work through the list. That's who I am. That's who I am. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word, Lord. You do say in your word that we're all sinners. That we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You do say that. But God, you also say, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. You also say that you have chosen us. That you have adopted us. That you have a plan for us. And, and, and so God, we get you. Like that's, that's the beauty of this. And so uh, Holy Spirit, we just want to ask you right now to invade um, our chests and our hearts and our heads. And, and just affect us over the next couple of minutes. Just beat away. Beat down this lie. Cover it in truth. Please God, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to um, have an old school uh, church invitation. And uh, in a second, I'm going to have you stand up because we don't do invitations seated because then you never move. Uh, there's something about being comfortable. Oh, no, this is good. Like, I, I, you're going to have to get up. And, and, and we're going to invite two groups of people. Now, the first group of people, I, I know most of you, um, you are Christians. You've put your faith in Christ. But at some point, you've believed the lie. You're a Christian, but you've fallen. You're a Christian, but you failed, right? You've stumbled, and, and the enemy is all up in your ear, and you're believing the lie that kept you from Jesus to start with. Man, I'm not good enough for God. God can't use me. God can't use a broken vessel. Would you please read the Bible? God only uses broken vessels. That's the story of the gospel. Right? If, if, if he used non-broken vessels, the vessels would be the one that get the credit. But God says, no, I'm going to use leaky vessels. I'm going to use cracked vessels. I'm going to use old vessels. I'm going to use vessels that think they ain't got nothing left. And I'm going to fill up every jar in this town. You just watch. That's what God says. And so if you are here and you have bought into this lie... Man, I've, I've just messed up. There's, and God can't use me for ministry. God can't use me for change. You're a Christian. You're believing that lie. Today is the day. Say, no more, Satan. Not today, Satan. 
Not today. That's my friend Caleb Brzezowski. That's his saying right there. Not today. Right here. I am who you say I am, Jesus. That's who I am. And so today, you need to, you, like, you got to do some business. It's time to put a period on the sentence. It's time to say, Jesus, I'm done being tossed about as an infant in Christ. Today, I understand fully in maturity that I will always fail, but you will always cover me. And my identity is in you, not in what I do. And you just own it today. Today, I get it. Today, I get it. Today, I get it. And you just own that today. All right? Just own it today. Okay? Now, there's a second group of people. And you are here today, and you're a lot like I was 20 years ago. You felt in periods in your life God calling you. You've even heard his voice. You've heard the message. But you have never responded because you thought you had to get your act together. Because you thought you had to clean yourself up. Listen today, friends. I know you feel bad that you shot a hole in the boat. But get in the basket. Don't go down with the ship. That's ridiculous. We all make mistakes. We all fail. And God knows it. That's why he sent Jesus to come as a rescuer for our sins. He stands here today ready to receive you. As Savior, will you get in the basket? Will you respond? So stand with me. Here's what we're going to do. Stand with me. Christians that need to do business, you come and you bow uh, at these steps. You make them an altar before the Lord as Jacob plays. But if you're here today and you've never responded in faith to Jesus, you've never accepted the gift of salvation by His grace, then today I just want you to come and talk to me. I'm going to be right here by the piano. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you just come and talk to me, okay? You just come and talk to me. I want to talk to you about how to receive the gift of salvation in Jesus, okay? Guys, these, these steps are open. You come as you feel led. Do business with the Lord, all right? Do business with the Lord. Let's get some finality. God, I'm going to believe who you say I am, right? Today is the day I'm going to choose not to let my doubt, not to let my shame stand in the way. Today have me, Jesus. Today have me.